Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum. At B1Bank.com. Sewers on the Boulevard, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. Stephanie Regal is a broadcaster and editor of Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Necessity is the mother of invention, as they say, and my first guest today has taken a nasty problem and turned it into a tasty treat, for dogs at least. His name is Hansel Harlan, and his genius is to turn unwanted nutria carcasses, and there are quite a few of those in South Louisiana, into healthy dog treats. Hansel's company, Marsh Dog, sells healthy dog treats made from nutria meats called Barataria Bites and also Nutria Jerky, and more nutria products are under development. Hansel, this has got to be one of the greatest stories of entrepreneurship <laughs> yet, and we can't wait to hear about it. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. It's nice to be here. And while Hansel is helping to keep your dog healthy with Nutria Treats, our next guest has a business that's focused on keeping your dog pampered and in high style while you're away or even just busy for the day. He is Michael Hackett, and the company he co-owns with his father is the Pets Plaza, which has two locations in Baton Rouge where you can board your pet, drop it off for daycare, or even just take it for spa services. While there, Fido will get a little TLC and maybe, if he's lucky, even a Barataria bite. Michael, welcome to Out to Lunch. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, Hansel, we'll start with you. So, your story, you got the idea because the state has a bounty on nutria. Is that right? And so people were killing them and there were all of these dead nutria, but nothing to do with the bodies and the meat. And you had this idea. That's sort of it. Uh, I had... Uh, first been exposed to the animals and nutria when I had gone to school in Argentina. So when I came back, I was always watching the state trying to grapple with the problem of nutria. They have the bounty program, which is in place right now, but it's a pretty expensive program. So our goal is to sort of harness the private sector, to harness the forces of capitalism to remedy the problem of this invasive species, help dogs and uh, save the coastland. Now, where did you get the idea to actually use the nutria meat to feed puppies? Well, I had had a dog that had allergies, uh, skin allergies. He was allergic to particular types of food. So I was having to make a homemade food for him based on turkey meat. And I was reading an article about some prior efforts to market nutria for human consumption. And it was remarking about how similar it was to turkey. So I said, Thing. Light bulb. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, you wouldn't know this from looking at them. They're the, the most ugliest, detestable-looking creature, but dogs don't think so. They, dogs don't have a problem with them. Well, that's the biggest challenge that we have in marketing the, uh, the product because everything else about the product is absolutely wonderful. The meat is pristine, it's healthy for dogs, and it helps preserve uh, the wetlands. They do sort of look unsavory, so, but once you get past that, it's a wonderful product, and the dogs love it. So how do you actually get 
the, the new trio. Where do you get them from? And I, I presume you've partnered with the state to help make this happen? Well, my actual partner is my sister, Benny Harlan, and I like to tell people that I send her down there with a gun and a big bag. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is, is that there are people down there that participate in the bounty program. So we go and we contract with them. They'll go out and harvest the new trio cut off the tail, submit it to the state to get their bounty, and then let us deal with the carcasses. And, and then you have an operation now to actually skin them and clean them and process them and make the tasty treats? Well, that was an initial obstacle or challenge early on. We were wondering exactly how we were going to do this. But luckily, through some investigation, we were able to partner with some people down on the coast who do that processing for us. So when the meat comes to us, it's in a raw ground form, much like ground meat that you see in a, in a grocery store. So how did you develop the recipe? Trial and error over the course of about nine months to a year. We just uh, did a lot of research online to try to find out about how to bake meat biscuits, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, played around with it, first using turkey meat and then substituting in Nutria meat once we were able to get it and finalized the product and went to production. I love it, that's great. So the company Marsh Dog is now two years old, three years old? Oh, it is uh, almost four years okay, old. Okay, and your products are all over the state, huh? We are in about 50 to 60 retail outlets in Baton Rouge, including Michael's uh, Place, and I mean in Louisiana, including Michael's Place. Uh, we are in about five or six other states in retail outlets, and then we have internet sales throughout the United States and, you know, a couple of international sales, which we're sort of proud Fantastic. of. Fantastic. Well, we're going to talk more about it in a minute. Speaking of Michael, though, Pets Plaza is a, is a great idea, and, and you're taking care of animals, providing a level of services that 10 or 20 years ago maybe would have been unthinkable. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Tell me where you got the idea and, uh, you know, how you opened sure. a, came to open a high-end pet spa. It was uh, s actually 17 years ago when I started this process. I graduated in marketing and knew I always wanted to open my own business. I just had an entrepreneurial spirit, I think, and, mm -hmm. uh, but didn't have any clue what it was. Well, at the time, my dad was looking to expand his practice, and he happened to own the land right next door to him. So he asked me, while I had another a real job, he asked me to just help him do some research. So 17 years ago, we started doing some research, and we found that in some of the larger cities, Dallas, Atlanta, Houston, New York, we, we would travel around, and this concept was just kind of starting to hit there. And uh, it was in bigger markets, bigger fancier markets. places, exactly. right? Before it came exactly. trickle down here. So um, we had the land, and it was kind of a no-brainer just to kind of coincide with each other. So did people take to it at first, or was it's it a crazy. hard sell? <laughs> we, um, what's funny is that doing some due diligence, I, I, I sent a survey out to, um, my dad's uh, clientele okay. and I don't, I, there was probably, we probably sent it to maybe a thousand people and tried to explain this, this in a survey and uh, tried to explain the price point and what uh, a dog suite was <laughs> and the overwhelming response was completely negative. Really? So uh, we started out with only four of what we call luxury suites in the building. Two months later, we added uh, 15 more. And then wow. our new location is all luxury suites. So it's kind of uh, just evolved into that. So what is the mentality of, of the clients, not the dog clients, but their owner clients, 
I mean, they just want the best for their pet. They, they're able to justify the additional expense because they want the best for their precious. Well, I think they want communication, and it's more about uh, service. Mm -hmm. And you can have the fanciest place in the world with bad communication and bad service, as we all know, sure. and, and not be successful. Or you could have a place that's maybe a 7 out of 10 on looks or whatever with a 10 out of 10 on customer service and especially with people's dogs that is their babies so right we try to balance we try to give as best customer service as we can and then keep our keep our facility up to par because it's getting older the, sure. especially the one but we try to just keep it up to the level that people expect and, and we want them to feel comfortable so what are the um what are the most high-end or extreme services that you will provide for your animals um uh, well, we do. Nail, uh, of course, uh, yes. <laughs> we have six great groomers. We do. Other than that, uh, we do baths, nail trims. We uh, color hair. Um, we really, have is there really much of a market? For a little bit, especially during LSU <laughs> games. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, bows and whatnot. We have most of the pampering comes from the grooming aspect. We've had a lot of crazy requests. Um, we're 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 located next to a McDonald's, and someone wanted us to go to McDonald's every day for lunch and bring it back. I'll never forget that. But they wanted McDonald's for their dog. For their dog every day, and, <laughs> and left a little a little uh, packet of of money for us to use, and walk down to McDonald's and bring it back. Um, <laughs> we thought that that might not be the best thing with the the not the best added for the stress, dog, right? right? For the added stress of boarding plus. McDonald's would probably uh -huh. not be the best. Um, so uh, anyway, but, we've had but it some, makes a good story. It makes a good story. We have lots of good stories like that. I bet so. <laughs> How do they like Veritaria bites they and Nutria jerky? <laughs> we can't keep them in stock. Uh, sister comes by weekly, and we're constantly replacing them. That's good to <laughs> it's know. It's one of the great things that has been a constant. Because um, believe it or not. Uh, with retail, it kind of shifts, but one thing is dog treats. Baton Rouge for so long was so rural in a way, you know, so much big open <laughs> yeah. land, and now as the city is more developed, you know, I wonder how that's changed the dynamics of dog ownership here. I think but people also are much more responsible than they used to be. Which interesting. Like keeping up to date, just little stuff like keeping up to date on vaccinations, mm -hmm. you know, that is a yearly requirement to go to your veterinarian. I mean, I think that. Uh, everybody is much more, like I said, responsible. Well, y'all both being in the local pet industry may know something about our next guest, but I'm guessing most people listening out there don't. And they're going to be surprised to hear this story of Nikki Marie Hansen, a researcher at the LSU Veterinary School who's developing prosthetic limbs for dogs as well as horses, goats, and any other kind of animal. Nikki has developed these prosthetic limbs that have quite literally given some animals a new lease on life. It's a great story. We met Nikki through the Louisiana Business and Technology Center. The LBTC is a business incubator that offers the resources of LSU to entrepreneurs and innovators. Nikki, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Now, you're a researcher at the veterinary school, but you're not actually a vet no. or a veterinary candidate. No, it's, it's interesting. Um, kind of everything in my life happens backwards or upside down. And um, it just seems to be the way that that happened. I wanted to be a veterinarian uh -huh. and it, it just didn't happen. I didn't want to wait several years to reapply. And I just decided to go the PhD route. So uh, I'm a different kind of doctor, so researcher, scientist. So you're going to get a PhD in veterinary science. Correct, correct. And it can be a little this confusing. led you to prosthetics. 
Yes, it did. Um, prosthetics was always something that was on my radar since I was a kid, and I didn't uh, necessarily um, go that route first off. I, I spent four and a half years as an opera singer, and I wow. spent <laughs> another four years uh, <laughs> then going back to school for biology, and this is the path that it led me down. I spent uh, another couple of years at Feinberg School of Medicine in Chicago at their Orthotics and Prosthetics Center, um, getting my uh, prosthetic certificate there. And is that where you came to learn how to make prosthetic limbs? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I did a uh, some clinical hours at Hanger okay. here in Baton Rouge. That whole crew over there is awesome. They're very supportive of what I do. Um, they actually helped me make my very first prosthetic limb for an animal. named uh, Her name is Padme the goat. And um, oh. so there was a newspaper article about her as well. And it was a really fantastic experience and really um, got me excited about coming back from Chicago and uh, doing exactly what it is that I want to do, which is help save animals' lives. By and, you, and you've saved all sorts of animals, mostly horses, dogs, goats, everything? Um, I fulfilled one of my dreams, one of my lifelong dreams, just this January, and I was able to put a prosthetic leg on Molly the Pony. Molly the Pony, it came full circle. I had seen her story right after Katrina. Of sure. course, I think everybody did. And, um, and and remind us of the particulars for those who may not remember it. Right, Molly the Pony was a pony that was left behind from Katrina. She was rescued in, at the rescue center. Um, she was attacked by dogs. Um, oh. It left her leg mangled and they were not able to save it. But Molly was such a sweet spirit and so kind-hearted and very smart um, that they decided to go ahead and try prosthetic limb for her. Um, at a time where prosthetics for any sort of animal was not even thought of at that time. Sure. Um, There's a company out of New Orleans that built all of her initial prosthetic limbs. And of course, the story went absolutely viral. I think before viral was a word. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, so Molly became famous, has traveled all over the country and is known all over the world. And when she, the, her story came to me, it was um, a story of inspiration. I saw that story, I said, that's what I want to do. I want to build prosthetic legs for horses. I want to make that possible. And that was one of the driving forces. When I got to Louisiana, I didn't really realize that Molly was so close to me and that I would ever have a chance to work with her. But through a series of different connections and friends, I got in touch with Kay Harris, Molly's mom, and um, was able to build her a new prosthetic uh, limb in January and fit her with it. I've since made a bunch of modifications. And how's she doing? She's doing pretty well. She's doing pretty well. Of course, Molly's getting older. Um, she has a little bit of arthritis, but Molly has the best care. She has the best support team, and uh, she's just got great people surrounding her. And I'm actually thinking about doing another leg for her in a different style so that she has some options. Oh, that's wonderful. When y'all are working with people's pets and animals, knowing the close relationship that people have with their pets, is there concern about liability, you know, and, and if something goes wrong with the, the food or with the care, you know, particularly maybe, Michael, in your place? Um, yeah, that is a big concern, um, and it's part of the job. I mean, you know what you're getting into when you do this. It's very stressful. It yeah. keeps me up at night sometimes, but it is what it is. And so if somebody, somebody has to do it, and I love it, so... Might as well be me. <laughs> That's what, what I look at. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because, you know, uh, don't get me wrong, it is a business. So, in order for the business to succeed, we have to make money. But honestly, we're not in it for the money. 
we're in it for, we both have, my sister and I both have other jobs that are pretty lucrative. Um, we're doing this to provide the animals, number one, with a, with a high quality treat. And then number two, to solve an ecological, at least contribute to the solution of an ecological problem that's plaguing our coast. So if we can't do number one, if we can't create a quality, safe treat, then we're just not willing, we don't want to do it. And, and with all of y'all, the, the marketing of your products and services, I mean, I would imagine it's the kind of thing people seek out because they love their animals so much. They'll go to any extent to find the best spa or the best food or the lady that makes the prosthetics. Wouldn't you say? Yes. I mean, have y'all had trouble advertising or getting the word out there? We, we, that is true, you know, because we are, we are, we are attracting a certain demographic of the dog owning yeah. world, you know, a certain type of people that's more conscious about what their animals are eating and how they're feeding their animals, you know, which I presume these guys share as well. For us, we, I like to break our business down into vet care, grooming, boarding, daycare, and we may not have one person that wants to do all that. Sure. We may just have somebody that really wants a great groomer, but will never board their dog. We'll, we, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. So we like to kind of separate our different um, services as far as marketing right. goes. Okay, well y'all, we're gonna take a little break right now to do what we call our checklist. And this is the part of the show where we ask you each a quick question that you probably wouldn't find on a loan application. So, Nikki, I'll start with you. How much sleep do you get at night? Not much. Not much. <laughs> when, how much is not much? Um, I'm a night owl, so I, just recently I, I, I found that that's a, kind of a funny question because I just posted on my Facebook page yesterday, oh, it was a short day today, 14 and a half hours. Wow. I got to fire myself because I didn't get everything done, but good thing I'm the boss. So I'll hire myself back first thing in the morning. So. And when you're building your prosthetics, I mean, do you, you sit up and do them all night? It's, it's just you, that, that sometimes, takes up a lot of time. Yeah, absolutely, sometimes. I have um, other things that take up my time as well, so I do split my time between, of course, my prosthetic business. I have another business. Okay. And in between school, so, you know, when you throw everything into there, into the mix, it's, uh, I don't get much sleep, so. Well, you're and young, that's, and that's so okay that's okay with okay. me. <laughs> so you can do it. Hans, here's a question for you. What was your first job? Well, my first job was in a Barks Root Beer manufacturing facility. My family had created it in the late 1800s. No, so you're kidding. I grew up in that environment, and that particularly lent itself to what we're doing right now, that being the creation and distribution of Mars Dog products because I learned at a very early age about the procurement of raw materials, the mixing them together into a product, the manufacturing of them, the packaging, the advertising, and the distribution. So I left that behind to become a lawyer and do some other things in life with no idea that I'd be returning to it in sort of a different Flavor. Fantastic, that is so interesting. Are you still practicing law or is Marsh Dog full-time? No, I practice law full-time and do Marsh Dog full-time. So. <laughs> so you don't get much sleep either? <laughs> not much. Guess not. What about Michael? No, you're, here, here's a question for you, Michael. Um, who do you turn to for advice? Uh, I turn to my father for advice. He is, uh, so he's been, in the, he's been a veterinarian for forever. He's 72 and still works uh, every day. So it's, uh, it's kind of nice to have that relationship where uh, we work together and 
he can set me straight, you know, when he needed to back, <laughs> back a while ago, but also be very encouraging. Doing business with family, that can be wonderful in many ways. It also has its own set sure. of challenges, I would imagine. Yeah, we have a rule that once we leave, we don't call each other or talk about after six o'clock. That's great. So, uh, and, <laughs> and your and wife works right, with you we, also, so we, it's even more we family. Never, we don't bring it to the dinner table at home either, so that's kind of our rule. And It's tough sometimes, but sure. we have to break the rules, but <laughs> for the most part it works. Now, y'all have pets at home? We do. You have we your have. own dogs too, so it's uh, sort of always there. Always. That's always. great. His father's a great guy, Dr. Mm -hmm. Hackett. He's a wonderful human being. Uh, thank you. Thank you. We've heard good things. All right, well, let's do a round or two of, of short answer questions. Well, I'll ask you each the same question and just would like your take on it. If you could change one thing about the Baton Rouge market, what would it be with respect to pets and animals, pet care? For, for me, I, I think it goes back to your, um, your uh, earlier question about just becoming more pet aware mm -hmm. of what's going on and the importance of, of vaccinations and being a... Um, responsible pet owner, uh, not only to your pets but to other people, and knowing your pet well enough to know should I should I mix it with another dog at the dog park or anything like that. You know, right. just understanding your pet more and getting involved and um, keeping it up to date on vaccinations and um, maybe giving to the uh, the new shelter, which is so important. Mm -hmm. To be sure. I think the one thing that would benefit Baton Rouge the most with regard to pets <coughs> is um, more services like Spay Baton Rouge. Um, they provide such a fantastic service, free spay and neuters to people and animals that, um, you know, who wouldn't normally be able to afford that. Um, I think with a better spay neuter program, yeah. even at a discounted cost, that less dogs would end up in shelters. Oh. I'd echo what both these guys say, you know, uh, one of the benefits of working in this in Marsh Dog is meeting wonderful people like these two people at the table here. But, uh, you know, Michael and I both are on the board of a local animal rescue organization called Yelp. And so we see the other side of the coin as well. We see sort of, um, I don't want to do sort of um, some problems in awareness of mm -hmm. animal ownership that lead to a lot of tragic stories like you alluded to earlier. You know, so uh, a more enlightened attitude with regard to the responsibilities of pet ownership. It's an education issue. People here just really didn't know. Not, not enough education. And it's a commitment. Once you, once you take on the life of a dog, you need to see it. You it's, need to do everything you can. It is. What about yeah, animal exactly abuse? Right. I mean, I, I, you know, I, we used to cover stories when I was on TV, dog fighting. That was a big thing in New Orleans. I know it's a big thing sometimes here in Baton Rouge. Those poor animals are just, you know, traumatized and injured. Do y'all see a lot of that, you know, kind of stuff here? We've seen just very, we haven't seen too much of it. Because they're probably the not coming to the pet class of them. Um, now, we will see when we work with some of the rescue groups, they'll bring us dogs to clean up and groom. Maybe we, we need to, dogs are just matted to the skin and just in horrible conditions. Oh, we so do sad. see that all the time, we, you know. That's right. In my legal career, I do a lot of pro bono work in animal, in animal, in the animal law area. And I don't see that much active cruelty, but what we do see is 
benign, for a lack of a better word, neglect. A lot of backyard breeders who get overwhelmed and end up abandoning the uh, operation, and then you have to come in and, and get the dogs in those deplorable condition and try to deal with them and find homes for them. So not so much, you know, active animalistic cruelty like yeah. uh, like the like the football player did with fighting the pit bulls. Sure. More, more of that I other issue. Let me ask you all. One more question before we wrap up. What is next for your business? I know Hans, you've got the, the marsh dog, the bear terry bites, and the jerky. You brought some to show us here. It looks great. Such clever <laughs> packaging. You have more products in development? That is correct. What we had done in order to try to make a really wholesome product was preserve our product by natural techniques like the Indians used to use by dry preservation or drawing the water out of the out of the product, but that's not really susceptible to distributing product on a nationwide basis, which is our next step. So we're working with the LSU Food Incubator right now to get all natural preservatives of a really high grade and high quality that we can use to serve as a preservative to stabilize the product so that it can travel in the back of an 18-wheeler to oh, that's great. Arizona or Nebraska or wherever so we can have a longer shelf life. Fantastic. And what's next for you, Nikki? I think the next step for us is um, that we're looking at newer equipment, better equipment, so that we can build bigger prostheses. Right now, I'm, I'm a little bit more confined to the smaller animals, goats, dogs, cats. Okay. When I need to make a bigger prosthetic, say for a horse or a cow, um, I'll either drive to Florida to my um, mentor's shop, or I'll uh, borrow space from some of the local prosthetic shops in town here too. Um, they have the bigger ovens that we need. They have some of the bigger machines that we need in order to accommodate um, the larger prosthetics. But your plan is to grow impossible Absolutely. innovations. I'm and not. Keep I'm not going it. anywhere. And in the future, I'm also looking at um, finishing and doing a, pro a pediatric residency, and opening a side-by-side -side pediatric and um, veterinary prosthetics practice. So great. Well, good luck. What about you, Michael? What's up for Pets um, Plaza? We're hoping to expand and open more locations and do it the right way, I hope, and promote from the inside mm -hmm. out to let some of the people that have been, um, some of my employees that have been wonderful, get them involved in some ownership opportunities and continue to grow is what we hope. Is there demand for it? I mean, you hear from your clients that they wish you were out closer to their house or that there were more yeah, locations? Yeah, definitely. Um, we've heard that from several people. And, it, it, the, the, you know, during the summer and holidays, there's always demand for right. this type of business. It does fall off like right now. But, um, you know, there is a demand for it, and we're, we're hoping to take advantage of it. Well, excellent. Well, y'all, I think that's about all we have time for. Thank y'all so much for joining me today, Hansel Harlan, Michael Hackett, and Nikki Hansen. It's been great to visit with y'all and to hear about your companies and all of the exciting things y'all are doing for the pet and canine communities here in Baton Rouge. So thank y'all for taking time to join me on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Hansel Harlan, owner of Marsh Dog, Michael Hackett, co-owner of the Pets Plaza, and Nikki Hansen, owner of Impossible Innovations. You can find out more about Marsh Dog, the Pets Plaza, and Impossible Innovations by following the links on our websites, wrkf.org and itsbatonrouge.la. Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. 
You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. These photos are taken by Ken Stewart. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's new album, Puzzle, is out now. You can find out more about that at mitchellforeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, it's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for it's batonrouge.la and wrkf 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S. Providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com And by Business First Bank with locations throughout the state including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum at b1bank.com.